eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am extremely grateful to be here with each and every one of you talking the sports ball. How's everybody doing? If you have something to say, put it in the chat. Let me know what you're thinking on this beautiful, beautiful Thursday afternoon. I'm looking forward to what we have as a ginormous sports weekend. You can claim that this is a top five sports weekend of the entire calendar year, and it's the first one of the season, or second one of the season, but no, it's the first one of the calendar year. And you got the College Football National Championship. You got the NFL Week 18, big, big, big storylines up for grabs. Major League Baseball's hot stove is hot. The National Hockey League and the National Basketball Association are really getting ready for the stretch run of their seasons. There is nobody that I would rather have come on this show to talk about all the great things going on in baseball and such than my good friend and South Burbs Hitman co-host, Joe Mandel. Joseph! What's up, how Vinny? We doing? Good, man. How you doing, brother? Great to see you. Very, very good. Me. The background looks outstanding, I must say. I remember the end Thank of you. Last, uh, last baseball season, we were dealing with some moving going on and stuff, yeah. and now... Here we go. All oh, the White Sox light. It all lights up. It's beautiful. Wow. What a background. We got to get you a devil something for your background. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> working on it. Working on the, the the office, getting it a little cleaner, getting not, not clean, like dirty, but like, you know, clean lines and frames and all that stuff. But it's coming along, Vinny. It's getting there. Absolutely. It looks wonderful, my friend. So I got to ask you. you. It's been a long off season. How you yes. been? Tell me about what's going on. I've been good, man. It's been a wild ride. Uh, not only in sports, but in life. Uh, I moved from the sh- south suburbs of Chicago to St. Joseph, Michigan. So uh, moved moved states and got moved with a at the time with the young six month old baby. And well, she was eight months at the time. My math's off, but nonetheless, she's about to be one here coming up. And we're adjusted here. We're loving it out this way. And uh, man, I wouldn't have it any other way. So it's been a wild off season and we're starting to amp up. Baseball is going to be returning soon. I know we'll be talking about that. And South Burbs Hitmen will be returning here soon here when baseball comes around. But Vinny, uh, we have one signing with the White Sox um, that's of note. I'm just waiting for them to do something else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Um, one quick question I wanted to ask you really yes. quick before we move into baseball. You knew you were moving into the general area that you moved in in Michigan. Did it being named after you have a slight bit to do with it? <laughs> Absolutely nothing, but it certainly helps the cause. That's funny. I would love to live in a town called St. Vincent or even St. Joseph. Due to all the great people in my life that have that name. But, Joe, it's time for the main event. You yeah. touched on it. The Chicago White Sox signed a player to this kind of sad to say because this player is a great player but he's not like a super duper star or anything like that at least not yet andrew benintendi is now the highest paid player in the history of the chicago white Sox in terms of his overall contract not highest average annual value but the highest contract. income over an entire contract it is andrew benintendi five-year deal worth 75 million your reactions I mean, I, I love the deal and I love the fit. Uh, I, I'm waiting for that next move because uh, I saw on your Twitter today, Vinny, you're talking about it. Sorry, people are blowing up my text messages. I don't know if you can hear that or if I just can, but that's good. It's just in my ears. Um, but they're talking about moving Aloy <laughs> to uh, be a full-time outfielder in – Correct me if I'm wrong, Vinny. I believe they said right field is where they're looking at putting him. So, like, Ben Attendee is an awesome player. He's got an awesome arm. He gets on base. Uh, he can steal some bags. He's everything that we want, right? That's why I think everyone – well, not everyone, but most people like the signing. And I think he fits the kind of south side swag that, uh, that is so thought after on the, on the south side. But this team hasn't done anything else, really. Um, I don't know if plugging Ben Attendee in left field is magically going to fix all of our problems. I, I I don't think so, but I certainly do think um, he could make a case for leading off instead of Tim Anderson, because I would like to see that and put Timmy somewhere else in the lineup. I know Timmy's a leadoff guy. That might be a hot take, but I, I'd love to get Ben Attendee on base because he's got some wheels. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Eloy playing the outfield. Part of me thinks it's like just talk like, hey, he'll be available to do it. You know, we, we know the plan is for Benintendi to be the left fielder. I think he's probably if Robert can get back to his defensive abilities that he showed pre first ever injury, I think he's the best outfielder. But as of right now, I think Benintendi is the safest bet for the best outfielder on the White Sox. Yeah, he's a perfect fit in every way, as you said. I want to know really quick before we dive into more about his baseball, though. He's picking number 23, obviously a big number in the yeah. city of Chicago with Michael Jordan. And then there were some two White Sox greats that played it. Uh, a couple great Cubs. Um, obviously, Devin Hester just nominated for the Hall of Fame again yesterday. What are you thinking about Benintendi wearing 23? Man, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw it, I was a little caught off guard because I'm like, man, that's a bold choice coming into Chicago. You're picking 23. Um, I love everything about Ben Attendee as a player, so I, it doesn't bug me that much. Um, but I have to, I'm have i curious the thought process behind it because um, I'm sure everyone has the same thought. Like, oh, man, that's a that's a big jump. So you got to fill some big shoes by picking that number. Hopefully it lives up to the hype. Uh, on a side note about the 23 conversation, Vinny, the White Sox put out a tweet, uh, social media image uh, the other day about 2023 for the new year with these cool bulls inspired jerseys. I don't believe that they are real, but I wish they were. Would you love them if they were real? I would say I would love them if they were real. You wear them maybe 
maybe four times a season, once a month, something like that at home, I think fans would go insane. And you're really not copying anything because you could just have like a black jersey with red stripes that says Chicago. It would look like a baseball jersey. And Jerry Reinsdorf owns both teams. So there's no reason for them not to, you know, work on an endeavor like that. But I don't know. I, I would think they were so cool. Yeah, I, I saw that image and I was immediately I'm like, is this real? Can I buy this? <laughs> yeah. You know. At least at least give one away. Like you they know, may, maybe when the Bulls, Bulls night. Yeah, yeah. Have Bulls night. Or if they clinch a playoff berth. I know there's issues with the Bulls right now. They only beat good teams and they get killed by bad teams. It's like the weirdest season in Makes the history no of the NBA right now. Like they just beat the Nets yesterday, I think. And they have a win over the Celtics and they're beating all these good teams. But you know, back to Ben Intendi. Yeah. He went to Arkansas. He was great there. He was always going to be a top 10 pick in the MLB draft. Boston ended up taking him. And he was a borderline star with the Boston Red Sox. That 2018 team, yeah, it was Mookie Betts. It was Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts. Obviously, a guy like Ben Intendi, he's going to fit in like a glove when he's like the fifth best player on that team. But man, was he good with those Boston Red Sox teams. And then things started to get shaky for the Red Sox a little bit. He was, you know, on a couple bad Red Sox teams towards the end. He ended up going to the Kansas City Royals, right? Mm -hmm. And with the Kansas City Royals, he was a pretty good player. He started to kind of revive his career again. And to the point where the New York Yankees wanted him last year, and he made some big plays in the outfield last year, had some clutch hitting and overall earned himself the contract that he earned today. He was drafted exactly one pick before the White Sox came up to draft when he was drafted. And it was obvious the White Sox wanted this guy and they were one pick away from getting him. They've wanted him the whole time. And now they finally got him and Ben Attendee knew that. And he said he resonates with him. Does that kind of mean anything to you? Because obviously it's nice when a guy feels wanted. He's probably going to play a little bit better. He's nice and comfortable financially now. I just think it's a good situation overall in that point of view as well. Yeah, I think it's really going to help his not just the performance on the field, but like when you're confident in being somewhere, I think it says it says a whole lot. I mean, I, Liam Hendricks said the same thing, I believe, when they signed him. Uh, they were confident and they really wanted him on board. And I think that really helps a player like Ben Attendee. Um, I think building up the team around him would really help him feel that way too. Like, man, this team wants to compete. And I know that's why he came here. He said he wants to compete, but you know, they got to start some doing some, some other moves because um, I'm getting a little impatient and I know a lot of white Sox fans are, but um, you know, Vinny, there's a lot of time before baseball season, but there's not that much time. It's like 80 something days, I think something like that before opening day. And obviously spring training is before then. So uh, they got to start doing something, but Ben attendee is a great fit. I, I love the signing and I'm looking forward to seeing him play on the South side for quite a long time. Uh, well, at least throughout for the duration of his contract, I believe pitchers and catchers report in just under five weeks, about four and a half weeks, still pitchers and catchers. Yeah. Report. So it will be here before you know it. There's no doubt about it. Andrew Benintendi is not the only signing the White Sox made this offseason. They also Correct. signed Mike Clevenger to be part of their rotation. Now their rotation is in all likelihood going to be in some form. Dylan Cease will start opening day. He's the ace of the staff. Yep. And then in any order after will be something that looks like Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, and Mike Clevenger. They're all right-handed pitchers. What's your take on the signing of Clevenger, how he fits in, and do you have an issue with the right-handed problem? Uh, first off, but Clevenger, I, I like the signing. 
Do I think he's going to be the savior of our, our rotation? No, but I do think he's going to be a valuable piece, like a, a bargain bin signing, if you will. And I, I don't know if anyone would classify it as a bargain bin signing, but I think it kind of is. It's I think he might outperform what he's being paid. Um, he's got some – I think he's a guy that Ethan Katz can work wonders on. So uh, maybe he's one of those Johnny Quatos of this year. You know, I, I'd love to see him. His delivery is bonkers, by the way. I think everyone knows that, and I'm excited to see that happen on the south side. I'm sure the fans will dig that. Um, as for the righties in the lineup, uh, you know, or the rotation, I'm sorry, it bugs me a little bit. I'd, I'd like to see us, you know, be able to at least maybe make one addition there, but I don't want to get too picky because I'd much rather get a second baseman now. Um, we talked about this in, in the offseason about how I was um, – amped up for a second baseman and they haven't really done anything. I don't know if they're going to turn internally, Vinny. I've seen some of your tweets that said that that's what the team's planning on doing. Uh, I'd love for them to like make a deal for somebody, um, whether it's a, a Gene Segura was a guy I thought for sure we would kick the tires on. Uh, they did not. So for me, the only guy out there that's worth talking about, and if we're talking about trades is jazz Chisholm, but that might cost an uh, arm and a leg. Um, but uh, I'd much rather focus on a position like that as opposed to a, a starting pitcher at this point in time. Very interesting. I have been told by two people that the plan is to – two people who don't know that the other one talks to me – that the plan is to stay internal for second base, Romy Gonzalez and Lenin Sosa. Um, yeah. that, that's an issue for you, clearly? Yeah, I, I don't love it. I mean, Sosa is – had a lot of hype last year and I know it was his first big league action and all that. Did he show flashes in the pan? Sure. Do I think he could do it in a full season? Maybe I'd love to give him a chance. I mean, I, I don't dislike either guy, but I'd much rather get uh, a more established bat because uh, let's be honest, Vinny, we had a lot of struggles with that second base position last year. And it's part of the reason that this team didn't even sniff the playoffs. So I think second base is a vital position, and I have a feeling Rick Hahn knows that. But if the right deal is not there, you're right. I think they'll they'll stick internal. Yeah, and Rick Hahn was pretty pretty adamant that the team is not what it's going to be as is. But another thing that has been said to go with the internal options for second base is the fact that Oscar Colas is going to be the right fielder for the opening day and, you know, their plan for the season, instead of going out and spending money on another one. And, you know, there's rumors that they're going to have them extended by then. Are you a little more confident in that move than the second base move? Or do you kind of feel the exact same way about it? I'd love to see Oscar Colas get the time in right field. Um, I just, I just don't see in any world where they have him up on opening day. It's just the anti white Sox move. You know, a lot of times with these kind of players, the white Sox will wait until, you know, mid-season or, or mid-summer. Um, I think getting Colas that major league experience early on would super ben be beneficial for him because he's going to have those growing pains. I'd much rather have him have those in April and May than when he comes up, you know, later in the year. So uh, I'd be much more confident if they started the year with him and they had Aloy as a DH. But um, who's even to say that Aloy's on the team come opening day? That might be – that's a whole nother conversation i hope he is but uh i if they can get something for him that's of worthiness like in case in point jazz chisholm i i'd have to consider it yeah absolutely and you know he's been an injury problem for 
a lot of his career up to this point. Andrew Benintendi, not the only Andrew on the Chicago White Sox. There's obviously Andrew Vaughn. We call him Andy. Um, Andy, man. He's got all the tools to be a hop flight hitter in Major League Baseball. In my opinion, he was the best college bat coming out of the best college power bat coming out of the draft in 2019. I it's one of the only draft picks that wasn't first overall that I've picked for one of my favorite teams and nailed coming out of Cal kind of got to major league baseball a little bit early, probably a circumstance of COVID and, you know, situations along the way, the Eloy injury, all that stuff paved the way for him to come to major league baseball. Jose Abreu's gone. Forget about Jose Abreu. He is a member of the, defending World Series champion Houston Astros. It's Andrew Vaughn's time to shine. We no longer have to watch him poorly play the outfield anymore. All credit to Andrew for trying team first. I'll do anything to help my team win. There were plays he dove for and made the catch, and people were like, wow, Andrew Vaughn's actually an outfielder, but I'm thinking to myself, well, if an actual outfielder was out there, he probably wouldn't have had to dive for it in the first place. Like You get what I'm saying? So, Mm -hmm. you know, credit to Andrew Vaughn for always, you know, doing what he's got to do, but it's finally his time to play his natural position of first base. What is your confidence level in that bit of fact? I feel great about Andrew Vaughn. I saw everything I needed to see last year. Uh, That consistency from – pretty much opening day forward. I mean, certainly did he have his struggles at points? Yeah, every player is going to have that. But I think you get him in there every day because let's be honest, Vinny, the start of the season and multiple points of the season, Vaughn didn't have that consistent playing time and he was still raking. You give him that everyday cadence, you kind of let him get in a groove. Uh, I'd love seeing Andrew Vaughn and and his potential. Uh, This is a guy that's going to be an all-star. I strongly believe that. And I think he could go down as one of those names in White Sox history at first base, along with Canerco and Abreu and Frank Thomas. I know that's a lot coming from a guy so early in his career, but I I have high hopes for Andrew Vaughn, and and I'm looking forward to see a full season of him at first base. So uh, I'm on board. I'm on board the train. The hype train's chugging along, Vinny. Could not agree more. They had an issue last year with Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Mankata. They are a large reason that the team struggled as badly as they did. They went 81 and 81 in a season that they played absolutely terribly. A lot of yeah. teams have to play like above expected to reach 81 and 81. The White Sox played below expected and were 81 and 81. So that does kind of give me a little bit of hope. But if Mankata and Grendahl weren't two of the five worst hitters in the entire major leagues last year for players that had X amount of plate appearances or whatever, they probably would have made the playoffs. Do you believe yeah. one or both of them can have a bounce back season this year? I think they both can. Uh, let's be honest. Yaz wasn't fully healthy last year. Hopefully getting a full off season and full spring training. will get him back to where he needs to be. I'm confident that Yaz can turn it around and, and at least do what he has to do and bat 240 to 260. I'd be happy with that because he gets walks in there too. His on-base percentage will inevitably be high. My confidence in Mancata is not there. Um, I think he can certainly bounce back. Uh, and he's shown that he can do it. But like since he's got COVID, and that probably has nothing to do with it, but it, he just hasn't been the same player. Um, you know, I think maybe with Jake Berger breathing down his neck a little bit more now, that might and that might give him a little fire underneath him. So uh, perhaps that's, 
that's going to keep him chugging along. But I think they can both bounce back. I have higher hopes for for Yaz than I do Mankata. Um, who's to say they don't trade Berger either? But as the friend of the show, we sure hope he sticks around. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's like Yaz has been an all-star. He's been deep in the postseason. He earned uh, the biggest contract in White Sox history. And there was really, really only one year where he didn't even slightly live up to it, and it was last year. And everybody says he's cooked because of one season. His quotes from the offseason so far this year and what he's been doing with the Chicago Blackhawks strength and conditioning team all summer, like he didn't go home. He stayed in Chicago, and he's working with a National Hockey League trainer who are some of the best trainers in the world because we know how physically demanding the NHL is and playing hockey with, you know, skating and whatnot. Those are the guys you want helping Yaz recover from this and get back to being ready for next season. For Mankata, it's like he's got all the talent in the world. I watch him play. I'm like, you should be hitting 300. You should be one of the best players in the league. All you got to do, if you showed someone baseball for the first time and had them watch a White Sox game, don't tell them anything about any player give them no details not nothing no context whatsoever they would watch the game and think Moncada was the best player on the team just by watching and it's not until you like really take a deep dive that you realize he's kind of sucks and I think I think he can come out of that though because yeah. he is so talented and he, he's just got to be in a good situation he's elite at third base there's no his doubt love is unmatched I was unmatched. about to say that he had a positive – his offensive numbers were what they were last year. Terrible. Amongst the worst in the league, he had a positive war. Leary Garcia had similar offensive numbers. His war was minus one-something. You know, just because Mancata's glove is that good that it can impact him into being a positively impactful Major League Baseball player. If he could hit okay yeah. next Half year. Half as good as his glove. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, he'd be an all-star. So. You know, I have high hopes for these guys. I'm glad to hear that ULEs do for Yasmani. I do for both kind of, but more Yasmani. We'll see if they're able to come into this year strong. Uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on with Ben Benintendi. Yeah. He made some comments about playing at Kauffman Stadium for the last two years until the second half of last year, until Yankee Stadium. He said he had a, long, a lot of long flyouts playing at Kauffman Stadium. It's a big stadium, not as easy to hit home runs. He'll believe he'll have a little bit of a power surge calling guaranteed rate field home. Most White Sox players didn't last year, but we've heard all of their hitting coaches talk about a change in approach, looking to drive the ball in the air a little more next year. Do you take Benintendi's comments, the comments from the coaching staff, the hitting coaching staff, and just kind of common sense based on, you know, it can't be as bad as it was last year. Mixing all that stuff together and believe the White Sox as a team will hit more doubles and home runs next year. I do. I, I do. I do for sure. And, you know, well, first off, I think that approach is going to completely shift, like you said. But specifically for Ben Attendee, I think I think he's right. I mean, Kaufman's a notoriously hard home run hitting field and you switch to guaranteed rate. I think it adds six to 10 more home runs to Ben Attendee's total. I'd say probably seven. I'm going to go right in the middle and say he gets seven extra home runs just because he's playing in Chicago. Um, this team's going to hit a lot of home runs this year, Vinny. I think I think that change in approach in the offseason is going to be a big deal. Um, I think Yaz is working on it. Uh, but we, we, Vaughn has the power. He, you saw a lot of bombs last year. Um, ben Attendee can do it. And I think that's part of the reason that you're going to see this team score more runs this year with runners in scoring position. 
that was the ultimate struggle last year. And I think that shift at the plate, uh, shooting for the home run ball, shooting, shooting for balls in the gap for doubles or triples, I think you're going to see a big uptick. Uh, hopefully that means more wins, but the pitching staff will decide that for us. But the offense, I think, is going to be a lot more fun to watch. Andy Vaughn had 14 home runs in his rookie year, I believe. Or it was either 14 or 15. Then he climbed up to 17 last year. I think we all would have signed up for Andrew Vaughn to hit 17 home runs last year in his second season. What we wouldn't have signed up for was him leading the team with that total. We, If you we told me last year he would hit 17 home runs, I'd be like, awesome. Second-year player, fine. he's growing into himself a little bit. But Abreu, Eloy, Robert, and T.A. are almost certainly going to have more, and probably Mancata too. Nope. Not going to happen. Oh, yes. I don't know if I said yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, none of them did. They all had way less. Uh, Eloy Eloy played half a season and had 16. So I guess there's hope there. But I'm really hoping that this team does get that power surge they need. Um, I do think it'll help them win games. You touched on the pitching staff. They have this bullpen, right, that has all these notable names. We touched on the starting rotation. We know we know it's Dylan Cease and then four guys that can either be elite starters or busts next year. Like, it's kind of one or the other for that rotation next year. As far as the bullpen, Kendall Graveman, Aaron Bummer, Joe Kelly, Garrett Crochet's back from Tommy John, uh, Reynaldo Lopez had a great year last year. We saw Jimmy Lambert take a big step as a reliever last year. Jose Ruiz is going to be there. I'm pretty sure they did not DFA him. And then Liam Hendricks is going to be the closer if they don't trade him. On paper, that's a damn good bullpen. And they were okay last year. Yeah. It just, the offense and pitching staff never really co-mingled when one was good, the other stunk. What's your take on the, the bullpen there? I think the bullpen's fantastic as a lineup is right now. Um, and I think this bullpen can bounce back and be one of the top bullpens in the American League. I sure hope, Vinny, that they hold on to Liam Hendricks. Um, the only way I would forgive giving him up in a package would be if we got a Jazz Chisholm or something like that, but there's nobody else that I'd really be comfortable moving him for unless it's a quality starting pitcher, but I just I just don't see it. I don't see it right now. I, I He's a guy that really benefits from this team, and I think we can compete with him. Uh, if he were to get dealt somehow, Vinny, I think you'd probably see Reynaldo Lopez probably take that closer spot uh, based off his performance last year. After that laser corrective surgery on his eyes, he was just a different pitcher. Um, I, this this bullpen is, is great, and they just struggled last year for multiple to a multitude of reasons. Uh, but I think as is, Add Garrett Crochet back in the mix. Um, I think this team is probably a top five bullpen in the American League. I actually completely agree. And when I think of closers, if you trade a closer like Liam Hendricks on a cheap contract like that just for like prospects or whatever, you're waving the white flag on the 2023 season. Exactly. Like if you want to compete, you're keeping a closer like that. I'm trying. Who's a better closer than Liam Hendricks? I would say Emmanuel Classe. The closer for the Cleveland Guardians is right there as the best closer in Major League Baseball. Hater when he's on. I mean, Hater when he's on. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? Who else? Probably, probably it. I mean, Liam Hendricks is one of the very best, and he deserves credit for that. I, I would keep him for sure. You touched on a couple of these moves that the White Sox could be making this season. 
Chisholm, you know, a right fielder. They're not going to get Segura or anything like that. Are there any other moves that are you're kind of looking at like, hey, I hope they address this position or, hey, I hope they get this player. It doesn't have to – it could be specific to a player, specific to a position. What are you thinking in terms of when Rick Hahn says we're not a finished product yet, what would you like to see him in an attempt to make it a finished product? You know, I think they're talking about adding a second baseman. And I know they've been talking about going internal, but I think a finished product is adding a second baseman with a quality bat. For me, that's a guy with a batting average over 265 career. Uh, I think you're talking about another starting pitcher. If I'm ideal, I'm saying you're getting one more guy and then you can throw somebody from the rotation, current rotation into the pen or into a trade package. Um, Again, I don't love that, but if it's if it's an arm that is a quality arm, I don't mind it. And I think that's really it. Maybe one bench guy, but again, I think they have that bench guy as a guy that can like run the bases and Billy Hamilton, who they have signed to a minor league deal right now. Um, I think inevitably he ends up being called up and he's a pinch runner for us. Uh, we saw that a lot uh, two years ago, and I think you're going to see it a lot this season as long as he can stay healthy. But that's really it for me, Vinny. Second baseman's a, a super need for me right now. I just wouldn't love for them to go internal with it. But if that's what they end up doing, then that's what they end up doing, at least until the trade deadline, if they somehow find a way to compete. But uh, I'd love a second baseman. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, MLB Network posted their you know, projected White Sox lineup coming into 2023 if – with Benintendi, they announced the Benintendi signing. They started talking about it, obviously, and they put this projected lineup out there. I'm going to read it to you, and I'd like you to pick it apart. Okay. Um, obviously, they have leading off Tim Anderson playing shortstop, uh, batting second. They have Benny Butt Cheeks, Andrew Benintendi playing left field, um, batting third. Lou Bob, Luis Robert playing center field. Number four, Eloy Jimenez, the designated hitter. Number five, Yoan Moncada playing third base. Number six, Andrew Andy Vaughn playing first base. Hmm. Batting seventh, Yasmani Grandal, the catcher. Batting eighth, Gavin Sheets, the right fielder. And batting ninth, hmm. Romy Gonzalez playing second Interesting. base. What do you make of this lineup? Pick it apart. What's wrong with it? I have plenty wrong with it. I'll let you go first, though. The one thing I do like about it is they got Romy in the in the tail end. Uh, I like that. <laughs> um, I don't think Mancata should be that high in the lineup. I'd like him closer to the bottom. I'd like to see Andrew Vaughn closer to a cleanup spot. Uh, and personally, I want Ben Attendee leading off. And at the same time, I want Tim Anderson in a two or like a, maybe even like a five spot. But I'd, I'd like to see Benatendi lead off, followed by T.A., just because we know Benatendi can get on base and he's got some wheels. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I, I wouldn't hate that at all. If they're going to have one of them be the leadoff, Benatendi will never be the nine-hitter. I always wonder what it would be like if they put Benny leadoff and T.A. the nine-hitter as like a, a second leadoff man. I don't think that's uh, – a bad take at all. Uh, Matthew says, ironically, they have a lot of infield options in the system. Just no one knows if they'll be good or not in the MLB, considering the Sox track record. Yeah, I mean, that that's totally true. But Romy Gonzalez and Lenin Sosa kind of lead the way on that. And they're playing second base to start the year. We will know by May, 
you know, whether oh, yeah. or not these guys are, whether or not they're going to try and make an upgrade before the all-star break, I would assume um, Rick Khan's never been bullish on making trades. People are always like, you know, they don't do anything. Yeah. They don't do anything in terms of spending big dollars on top free agents, but Rick Khan has made some bold trades in his recent tenure as the White Sox GM. Yes, but as has. far as this lineup, I'm bumping Yoan down. He's the seventh hitter or later until he proves yeah. otherwise. Yeah. He can't be up that high. Yeah. Andrew Vaughn probably goes up higher obviously gavin cheech is not a right fielder if he plays right field on opening day i'm going to be annoyed um if you have to extend Colas to make him the everyday right fielder on opening day and not worry about service time or anything like that like you did with eloy like you did with mancada go for it yeah. go for it but if you're going to play the game they kind of lost a year of service with andrew vaughn they didn't wait till April seventeenth or whatever it was to play him, and he's not extended. So we'll see how that comes back to bite them later. But yeah, and you know what? If Gavin Sheets was playing, he wouldn't be batting eighth. Certainly no. not batting eighth. I, you know, I want a guy with a higher batting average, which I don't love batting average. I guess on base percentage is a better way to put it, or uh, OPS, whatever. Batting eighth. I'm putting Gav fourth, fifth, or sixth, and nothing else. If he's in my he, lineup, he's fourth, fifth, or sixth. He's in this lineup to do one thing and one thing only. He was one of the hottest bats the last three weeks of the season. You could argue the last two months of the season. Um, and people forget that that playoff series against the Astros two seasons ago, he was the best player on the White Sox during that stretch by by a mile. No one even came close to him, so – uh, yeah, and he, and he's another guy that people seem to forget is a valuable trade chip, more valuable than I think people recognize. Yeah, and I'll also always have personal bias towards Gav. He's a personal friend of the program. Yep. But um, I I don't I don't love him as an everyday right fielder. If he's Andrew Vaughn's backup at first base all season long, I think there's plenty of pop in his bat. Being a lefty, I think helps too, um, especially with Benintendi being a lefty coming and joining the team. Yoan's a switch hitter. Um, I think that does add a little more balance to the group, but if he's playing, he's not batting eighth. Lou Bob batting third is interesting. I actually really like that. Yeah, um, me too. He's a power hitter that can also hit for contact, a Jose Abreu type. I, I think third is perfect for him. Eloy batting fourth is chef's kiss, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's a great hitter that's not just a power hitter. We can see Eloy's batting average climb into the 300s and you know his on base percentage get up there if he can really start driving the ball not just for home runs so you know he's probably the best pure bat in the White Sox organization so seeing him bat fourth I think is probably good news yeah I'd love to see that especially if he could have a full healthy offseason and a full healthy spring I'm sure they're going to wrap him in saran wrap come the bubble wrap the last two weeks of spring training, maybe even before that. But um, I'd love to see a full year of Eloy because uh, he's – let's just let's just face it. Not only is he entertaining to watch, but he's just the biggest character in the world. Yeah, he's fun to have on your favorite team. I will say you got to give up on him, though. I mean, you don't got to give up on him. But if he gets hurt again and misses, like, 80 games again, oh, that, then we're like, what are we doing here? Like, everyone's saying wrap him up in bubble wrap. Listen, if we have to wrap him in bubble wrap, you're not getting anything out of him. There are guys who are more valuable at 100% than Eloy. So, you know, let him play and see what happens is my thought on it. Because if he gets hurt for a third year in a row and plays less than 100 again, 
that's a serious problem that is probably never going to be overcome. I mean, we'd be talking about going in a year four of hoping Eloy is healthy in 2024 if that's the case. So, Joe, the White Sox have a lot of issues. It's not all bad. It's certainly not all bad. They could be the A's, right, yeah. or, you know, the Angels who are probably going to trade Shohei Otani or lose him in free agency, stuff like that, go in the tank mode. Um, how do you feel about the White Sox going into 2023? You got to – I know you probably don't love giving like a record prediction or anything like that, but, you know, a certain place in the standings, postseason, competing for the postseason at least at minimum, being in it till the end like they were last year. What's your Yeah, thought? you know, I'm not going to lie. I've been super disappointed with the offseason so far. Ben Attendee helps but it doesn't it's not going to be the end all be all unless they make some more moves. Uh I had my season ticket rep call me Vinny uh about 3 weeks ago. And they asked me why I didn't renew. And I gave him an earful, you know? They didn't have, they didn't have Ben Attendee signed yet. I'm just like, listen, this is a team that's supposed to be competing. They've not done anything, they're not spending any money in the offseason. You see what a team like the Mets is spending right now, Vinny, which obviously is is a whole new standard of spending. But then you compare it to the White Sox, whose payroll I think is drastically lower, by probably by like two hundred million or something like that. That's just a guesstimate, folks. Don't take me for word for word, but it's close. Um, I'm disappointed. I, I think this team can certainly compete if all the cards fall the right way, Vinny. But I think right now we're a second place team with a good bullpen and had, and a lot of great offensive weapons, but there needs to be something that pushes us over the end. I'm not going to lie. I think right now we're exactly where we finished the season. I think we're a 500 team, maybe a little worse. Um, there might be some of those one-run games that fall our way, and maybe we could fight for a first-place finish or even a wild-card spot. Um, but they're not good enough to win a World Series right now. I think we need a second baseman. Uh, maybe another starting arm, but perhaps Clevenger turns into that guy. I, I don't know. Getting Crochet back is like making a trade too, assuming he's fully healthy. But I think we need that second baseman, Vinny. I do. I don't think one of those internal options is the answer for us right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I do think – so the Twins, they lost Correa. Um, I don't think they're necessarily a powerhouse. Detroit and Kansas City stink. That leaves the Guardians and the White Sox. Are the Guardians going to have the same magic as they did last year? Is Josh Naylor going to be one of the best players in the league? No. Otherwise, they would not not in the league. He wasn't one of the best players in the league in the division. Um, they went out and got Josh Bell for a reason. And, you know, that makes their team better. Naylor, DH, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Stephen Kwan, how's he going to be in his second season? playing for the Guardians. Is Jose Ramirez going to be a world beater again? Probably, right? I still think he's got a lot of years left in his prime. Their pitching staff is always outstanding. That's a pitching factory over there in Cleveland. So I do think they'll compete with the Cleveland Guardians all year long. Um, I just don't know. I, I'm with you. They don't They don't act like a winning team. They could be a winning team, and if they are, credit to the players and Pedro Grafal and all that kind of stuff. But the New York Mets luxury tax penalty is larger than any contract the Chicago White Sox have ever given out. Yeah. And that just speaks volumes about it all to me. Yeah, it, it and it took it, it baffled me Vinny how long it took the White Sox to make this Ben Attendee deal official too. Like that's another thing that I'm like what was going on behind the scenes why it took so long there. I mean, not nearly as long as Correa on both his teams. I know that's a whole other story, but uh, what I don't know why it took so long. To I sign do that have an answer it. for you. Do you. Okay. Yeah, no, I have an answer for you. It's not as bad as you think. Finally, it's something that's not as bad as you think. 
Um, he signed the day everybody returned to work for a reason. That's because, like everybody else in the world, that's the day everybody in baseball also just returned to work. He signed right before the holidays started, and he didn't get to Chicago before everybody left for holiday break. And he made his trip to Chicago for the first time three days ago, got the deal signed in person, and he took his physical, and there were no issues with the physical whatsoever. I love to hear that. made it official. So, yeah, it was simply just a matter of time and place when it comes to why it took so long for that. Okay, good. That's good news. (laughs) Yeah, Ben Ben Intendi's just fine. It's not like Correa where, like, there's legitimate health concerns with what's going on with his ankle. People are saying ankle. You know, he's healthy right now, but they're worried that something is going on with him that could affect him five years from now. I'm I'm thinking to myself, you're the friggin' New York Mets and you got the $5 billion owner. You're caring about what's happening in five years. You haven't won the World Series in three decades. Like, sign Correa, go win, deal with that later. Yeah, I mean, seems like pretty clear, clear, clear as mud for me. But I, I mean, I, I'd sign him. But again, I'm, I'm not a doctor. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I'm not a doctor either. Even though I do play one on TV sometimes or on the internet that's right. sometimes. That's but right. um, I, I will say this. I hope the White Sox kind of prove a lot of people wrong this year, including myself. I hope Moncada and Grandal play like we know they can. You know, this, this is a team that is. It's got a sleeping giant fan base. Twitter was a cesspool last year, right? Everyone, everyone hated my guts because of things the White Sox were doing. Um, You got the Tony LaRusso fiasco. It's, it's almost like dealing with the left and the right on political Twitter. Like Uh, this, this, this people group of people believes in this and this group of people. And if you don't agree with them, you're an a-hole. Well, I mean, in hindsight, how can you not just look back and think that the manager wasn't at least part of the problem that honestly boggles my mind that people are still like, yeah, let's walk a guy who's got a one and two count. And you know, the next batter up hits a home run, not Tony LaRusso's fault though. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just honestly blows my mind, but you know, Joe, there is another team in town that we got to touch on a little bit. I know we're both White Sox fans, but we're probably both surrounded by plenty of people who cheer on the Chicago Cubs, and they've had a pretty decent offseason so far. Um, yeah. They started off by signing Cody Bellinger, who is an MVP-type player, and they signed Dansby Swanson and you know a couple other moves. They're going to move Nico Horner to second base, who was a great player last year. Obviously, Eric Ian Hosmer, Hapsen, too, right? Yep, Eric Hosmer is going to be their first baseman. They're going to use some first or some young players as backups for first baseman. Morrell probably played third. They got Hap, Bellinger, and Suzuki in the outfield, a pretty good outfield. No more Wilson Contreras anymore. Um, outside of Kyle Hendricks, the 2016 World Series team is dead. What's your take on the Cubs, and what are your expectations for them coming into next year? You know, Vinny, the, the Cubs are making moves. They're making their team better. It's what I wish the South Side was doing right now. And and I'm not discounting the signing of Ben Attendee. I think it's a fantastic signing. He's a great fit. But what you just said about that outfield, that's a quality outfield. Eric Hosmer is a sleeper first baseman. That infield is surprisingly good. I think this Cubs team is going to compete for a wild card spot in the National League. Uh, they're not going to win the Central. I think the Cardinals have that locked up easy right now but the cubs are going to compete they're going to be a team that is probably going to be hanging around that you know mid like five games over 500 maybe 10 games over 
good enough to make the playoffs. If they get hot and if the chemistry works out, which I think it very well could because there are a lot of high-character guys that they're signing. And Skyler says that the signing caught him off guard. I, I love it. I've always been a Hosmer fan. Maybe it's because I had him in fantasy for like a long time, almost every year. And he was one of those guys that came in and he was solid. He got it done. Uh, I like what the Cubs are doing, Vinny, and I think they're going to compete. And I wish the Sox were making the same kind of moves um, because I've been impressed. Yeah, no, I've been impressed with the Cubs offseason too. My problem with their postseason chances are, for me, as of right now, the Dodgers – and the Padres are locks in the West. So one's yep. a wild card team. I do think the Cardinals are the best team in the Central for at least another year or two, as long as Nolan Arenado and Goldschmidt are in their prime. It's not the Albert Pujol show anymore. It's about winning now. And Contreras. Yeah, and they got Wilson Contreras. That's certainly a quality upgrade in the middle, upper tier of their lineup. Um, uh, the East is obviously it's the Phillies, the Mets, and the Braves. That's that's every playoff team, right? A, that, 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 that's, that's the playoffs. Those those are the teams. The the Cubs in order on to, paper, yes. So that's what I was going to say. The Cubs in order to make the postseason next year would have to take one of those teams out. It could be the Braves, right? The Braves are slow. They won the World Series. All credit to them. The Braves are my third favorite team in baseball. Not a lot of people know that about me. If I know third favorite team, that sounds kind of weird. Like, dude, you're a Sox fan. When I say that, I'm like, teams I'm watching right now, it's always been White Sox, Red Sox, and then lately it's been Braves. I've had family in Atlanta, whatnot. I enjoy the Braves. They've been falling off lately, though. It's been getting steadily worse every year. Um, obviously, Freddie Freeman's gone. Now Dansby's gone. It's going to look a little different over there in Hotlanta. And, you know, the Cubs are going to have to take down one of those teams if they are going to make it to the postseason. I do think their best hope of making the playoffs is hoping that one of the Padres or Phillies don't necessarily live up to what we thought they were going to be last year. The Giants were looking like a team that might be able to do that, but now without Correa and some of the things, they lost Rodon. Judge. Yeah, they didn't get Judge. They got Arson Judge, but not Aaron Judge. The wrong Judge. <laughs> yeah. It's So it's uh, it's it's tough in the National League. The Cubs would have to overperform in order to be a postseason team, but I do think they will be right there. Their record will be right around where the White Sox record is. I think those two teams, if you have a buddy who's a Sox fan and you want to bet like $5 a win between the White Sox and the Cubs, I actually think going into this year is the best kind of year to make that bet because it could truly go either way, and they'll both be right around the same lines of you know record when the season comes to a close. The White Sox have the benefit of it being the Astros in the West. Obviously, the East is kind of, it could go either way. The Mariners are really good. They just got to compete with the Guardians in the Central. So it's a little bit different, you know, situations league-wide. But I like what the Cubs did this offseason. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, the the Cubs-Sox series this year is going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing those because, like, as much of a Sox fan I am, I, I love when those are quality you know, close games. And I, and I think they're going to be really good this year. So, uh, and, and the, and the Cubs game, the Cubs Sox games, uh, the weekend games moved to Wrigley this year and the Sox get the day games or the, uh, the, uh, weeknight games. So it'll be interesting. Uh, but I tell you what, the Cubs are, are going to be exciting this year more than people give them credit for. 
That's probably a good thing. I will say this. I can unbiasedly say, I'm a White Sox fan, I can unbiasedly say that day games are better at Wrigley than they are at Guaranteed Rate Field. And I truly think night games are better at Guaranteed Rate Field than they are at Wrigley Field. They just are. They're more fun. There's the, the light shows and the fireworks and the food's better. Like, it's more of a night, a, it's a better night outing at a Sox game, and it's a way better day outing at a Cubs game. And then when the game's over, you go hang out around Wrigley at night, the bars and stuff, like... Oh, yeah. I, I think both sides of town provide a quality entertainment experience. And those of you who are open-minded enough to experience both, like Joe and I, all power to you. You're going to have a great summer. That's um, right. Joe, outside of the Cubs and the White Sox, is there anything else in the MLB, the Correa stuff, the judge thing, uh, interleague schedule, like every team's playing every team this year going, at least for 2023, they're experimenting yeah. with it. What's your take on all the whole league right now? You know, I think you got the super teams out there, right? Uh, the Mets are obviously the super team. I think that's the story of the offseason spending. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, you hear these stories about how Jerry's not happy about the the salary spending across the league. And I do think eventually the story is going to be salary cap at some point. Um, I don't know when that's going to come up, but probably not for a couple of seasons. Uh, but for me, it's the super team. It's the, the, the Aaron Judge story was one of those that like switching from, you know, San Francisco back to New York really threw me off. But uh, for me, I'm just looking forward to seeing some White Sox baseball. Vinny, uh, I want Rick Hahn to do something. So go ahead. Do something, Rick. Make me make me happy. I agree, Joe. If I was a Giants fan, I probably wouldn't smile for a year. I'd be pissed. I, I legitimately just I mean, my, so much of my emotional happiness is invested obviously my girlfriend my family the the actual important things in life but there's a fair amount of my mental well-being that goes into my favorite sports teams and if i was a giants fan and you lost rodan you had aaron judge then you didn't you had carlos correa then you didn't this just might be my face for a week or for a year yeah i i wouldn't be pleased um so giants fans you can come be white Sox fans for the season why not yeah i mean that's one team i think i'd rather be a fan of the White Sox over, to be honest with you. And they won the World Series three times in the last 10 years. So I don't know yeah. if I actually agree with that. But, you know, ba- baseball is in a good spot. I'm so excited for this season. I'm so Me excited too, to, you know, build content with you all year long. Let's touch on football just a little bit before I let you go. Yeah, man, You've been for hosting sure. fantasy football goon all season long, doing a great job. Thank you, uh, sir. Telling people how they can win their guillotine league, not a big deal. Um, <laughs> the, the AFC and the NFC both have compelling battles for the final spot in their conference and the top of their conference with the number one seed. What's your take on both? Obviously, the DeMar Hamlin story. He's in our hearts. He's recovering. He's He was awakened today. The first thing he asked was, did the Bills win the game? Uh, I thought that was very interesting. He wrote it down, though. He wasn't able to say it. He wrote it down. Um, the doctor told them, um, yes, you've won the game of life. Didn't even yeah. mention the football game or anything Absolutely. like that. And so, you know, credit to him. Hopefully he's the recovery's on, um, praying for him. But back to the football, what's your take on the, the leagues? Man, I tell you what, it is going to be a crazy finish. Um, and, and again, I want to reiterate that DeMar Hamlin's health is the most important thing in Number all one. of this. I, the game for me, it, it, last week's game doesn't matter, but it plays a big role in what's going to happen here. So you hear, I, there's lots of leaks flowing around about what the league's going to do. 
And, you know, from a fantasy perspective too, Vinny, this is – and again, I don't want to say anything negative. This is – DeMar's health is the most important thing in the world, so that's first and foremost. But what happened with that being the last game of Championship Sunday is a nightmare for fantasy commissioners and fantasy owners. So, again, DeMar's health is the most important thing. But the league sounds like they're trying to find a way to maybe play this game. And I think I think there's only two options that can really happen, Vinny. It's they either count the game as it finished, seven to three. Cincinnati wins, and then they move on and potentially get the top seed. I've seen so many scenarios online, Vinny, that it's like I can't even I can't even fathom what the league office is going through right now. But I will say the Bengals and the Chiefs are going to be two powerhouse te- teams in the playoffs. The Bills are going to have this fire underneath them as well. This is the first year in forever, Vinny, that I could not tell you who is going to win the Super Bowl. I don't have an idea in my brain of a team that's that much more superior than another team. For that reason, this DeMar Hamlin stuff, I think, is really going to light a fire under the Chiefs. It already has, and it's brought them together with not only their internal team, but with the whole league and all of the people watching the league. I think the Chiefs are going to be a really – I'm sorry, the Chiefs. I think the Bills are going to be a really dangerous team come the playoffs. You know, the NFL has been so wild all year long, Vinny, and it's one of the years that I look at it and I'm just, like, baffled. You know, every year I think I know what's going to happen. At least they have an idea, and they always find a way to, to surprise me. But, like, I'm looking at the standings right now in front of me, right? And, of course, the Bills are blowing away the AFC East. No shock there. The Chiefs, you got the Chargers to find a way to sneak in. The Bengals are far superior to the Ravens. It blows my mind, Vinny, that the Ravens have as good of a record as they do. Um, obviously, Lamar's injury has a big effect there. And then you have the Jaguars, who've been like a surprisingly good team in the AFC. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Jaguars can do in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to probably get past the first round, but uh, just seeing Trevor Lawrence and that team perform well has really been exciting for me. Um, I think it's, I think in the AFC, you know, it's, it's either the, for me, it's either the, the bills or the Bengals. I, I think the chiefs are going to get trounced by, by the bills at some point if they meet or maybe even the, the Bengals again, I, I don't exactly know what the bracket would look like. It's very confusing to me right now, especially with the, the seating. And I know I'm talking to everyone's ear off right now, but I'm talking through this in my brain. Um, But I don't think it's the chief's year. I think it's either the bills or the Bengals again in the AFC. And then if you switch over to the NFC, the Eagles are not, the team that everyone thinks they are. I've been very impressed with Jalen Hurts this year. I don't want to discount anything about that. But I will say that their schedule has been a bit of a cakewalk this year. Their defense has been great, has carried them. Jalen Hurts has been great. Their receivers have been great. You know, I just don't think they're the team that can get over the hump. I think the Dallas Cowboys are a better team than them. I think for me right now, the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers am i in the right division yeah i'm losing my mind here i think the dallas cowboys and the 49ers are probably the best teams in the nfc i think the 49ers will probably make it to the super bowl 
and that's saying a lot given their quarterback troubles. So it's been such a wild year. I don't know how to pick a Super Bowl champion, but I think the DeMar Hamlin uh, movement and, and his health and safety and everything about that is going to really drive the Bills to take home that Super Bowl championship this year. So I'm putting my money on the Bills, Vinny. It's a long-winded answer. I loved all that analysis. I was sitting here taking it all in. Um, I agree with pretty much all of it, most of it. Um, I, I've i been a Bengals guy since week one this year, I think. Because, I love the Bengals. Yeah. I saw Joe Burrow play at LSU when he was there. I saw him. It was the Jealous. SEC title game. Yeah. It was probably one of the coolest experiences of my life. I talk about it all the time. That's how that's how everybody can understand how much I enjoyed it because I literally don't shut up about it. It was four years ago, and I'm still obsessed with the fact that I was at that game in Atlanta. Um, he has just been magnificent. And they were 3-3, three and three, right? They mm-hmm. were 3-3, three and three, and their three losses were by a combined eight points. And yeah, the, the Bengals are great. I, I don't want to take that away from them. I really want to see a Bills-Bengals AFC championship game because I think it might be one of the best games of all time. I agree. I agree. And it took them till like week nine to give up a touchdown in the second half. Right. And they, they had that stinker against the Cleveland bronze on Monday night football. And they yeah. had like a losing streak to the bronze in the, you know, in the Joe Burrow the era, the bronze. And, uh, I, I just, they've been humming ever since. And I'm like, this is Joe Burrow, and he's got the best offensive line he's had in his NFL career up to this point. And the running game is good with Mixon, and he's got great receivers with Higgins and Chase and uh, Boyd. Like, it, it's just, and the defense is outstanding. Good coach, good quality coach. Clearly, I saw something from the Bengals that I've never seen from a professional sports team probably to this I've seen this to some extent but never to this extent and that was compassion for their opponent and they they really really impressed me with the way that they acted during the Buffalo Bills uh Cincinnati Bengals game where DeMar Hamlin went down I will never ever ever forget the way that the Bengals players um treated that and acted and were it was almost like they were Buffalo Bills teammates at that point in time And that's because we're all humans. We all believe in each other and respect each other for the most part. Obviously, there's always bad eggs out there. But I think for the rest of the Joe Burrow era Bengals, they'll always be like a top five team I'm cheering for because I love Joe Burrow so much. And I love LSU and the SEC. Everyone knows that about me, you know, going to the SEC title game as often as I can and whatnot. But I I just I can't you know, get rid of my bias for the Bengals. I think I'm hoping it's one of those two teams from the AFC and they ultimately win the Super Bowl. Obviously I have my Tom Brady fanboyhood as well. I don't necessarily think the Bucks are good enough to take down a team like the 49ers or the Eagles or the Cowboys yeah, or anything like that. I don't that. think so either. But if someone were to go into the playoffs after having like a mediocre season, it would and be just him. win a bunch of games because he finds ways to win in the fourth quarter, like they did on Christmas day, it was like, wow, you know, maybe the Bucks do find a way to at least win a game or, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, man, the NFL has been rocking right now. And before I let you go, you've taken so much of your time and been generous with it. I appreciate it, as always. No problem, man. Um, Georgia just going to stomp TCU in the national championship game, or is TCU going to make it an enticing, entertaining football game? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath like everybody thinks. I mean, I really thought Michigan was going to stomp TCU, and that surely didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I do think Georgia is going to win the game, but uh, I think TCU is going to make it a game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that. At least I hope I hope so. I mean, I, I'd love to see TCU win it. I just think Georgia is the better team. Uh, I will say the Georgia-Ohio State game, I, you watch both games, right, Vinny? I'm I was I was at a wedding on New Year's Eve. I watched highlights of both, but I I was just keeping up on Twitter. I didn't see either of them. Right. So, live. so saw, I saw the first saw half. The highlights. Of, I saw the first half of the Michigan game live, but so you saw the that, highlights. I I just feel like the the Ohio State Georgia game was faster. When those guys hit the holes, they just exploded through. I feel like the all the players were just moving at a different level. I don't mm-hmm. know. Watching the two games that. side by side. I just think Georgia's more explosive. I think whoever won that game was probably going to win the national championship. But TCU has been – don't want to discredit them at all. They've had a hell of a season, and I hope it's a good game because uh, I, I don't want to see a blowout. I completely agree. I do think Georgia's going to win. I do think Georgia has asserted themselves in the college football realm with Alabama, with what Clemson was for a couple years there. I think it's probably sustainable too because I do think – you know, the top SEC teams, when they get to the top, if they act accordingly, they can maintain it for a long time. And they're in Georgia, which is one of the top football recruit states in our football country. Um, they probably would have had more, too. Again, I talk about being smart. You chose Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. And how did that work out for you when you played in the national championship against Bama? And I know Stenson Bennett is like 30 years old and he's playing quarterback. He's like a seven-year senior. No, I'm totally joking. He's a super senior for sure. He's older than most senior quarterbacks. But he's older than Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, when you think about stuff like that, it's always interesting. But Georgia can really go on a nice little run here over the next couple years. And, you know, we'll see what happens in this national championship game. but. I definitely agree with you that it's going to work in their favor. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. So that's all I ask. Absolutely. Joe Mandel, this has been one of my favorite episodes of Crosstown Crosstalk, talking all the sports ball that we could possibly talk for over an hour. Very easy to talk to you and go over. I mean, we could talk about, we could go for another hour talking strictly Star Wars and what's going on on Netflix right now. You know, it's all, it's all just so much fun. I enjoy it very much. We will be with you guys with the South Burbs Hitmen over the summer with the Chicago White Sox season fastly approaching. Every Monday night, we'll go through and talk about what dumb things Pedro Grafal did as a manager or smart things, hopefully how Eloy Jimenez is finally healthy. Hopefully Luis Robert, all of it very much looking forward to it. You can catch all the great shows here on the Barroom network. Joe, is there anything left you have to say before we sign everybody off? Uh, All I got to say is from a fantasy perspective, the last game uh, that they're trying to either reschedule or whatever happens with it, my advice as a fantasy commissioner, let it play out. And if they play the game, great, adjust as necessary, but don't make any payouts until you know exactly what the league is going to do. So that's just my advice there. Yeah, we got lucky in the guillotine league. Nobody had a player on the teams playing on Monday Night Football. So the guillotine league was decided on Sunday night. That is obviously. Now, it also helps that your opponent didn't really set a lineup. Yeah. That I that's they didn't have a quarterback. Blows my mind. They they didn't they didn't play it 
properly where they had a backup in case their guy got hurt. And the email from the guillotine league creator said, make sure you have when the money, when you are done with money after week 12 or whatever it was, make sure you leave yourself an out at quarterback and tight end in case of injury. Obviously the opponent didn't do that with Jalen hurts somehow didn't get chopped without Jalen hurts in week 16. Insane. And I, I don't I was like, do I root for this guy? Because he's coming first a lot of the weeks. Do I root for him to win without Hertz and hopes Hertz doesn't play again? Obviously that ended up being the case. So very exciting stuff. Joe Mandel, you're great. I'm so looking forward to all the work you come out with here at the Barroom Network. Make sure you check in on Mike North Science Fiction tonight. We'll be back with Bar Down Talking Hockey next Wednesday, discussing all the great things going on in the National Hockey League Crosstown Crosstalk. We'll be back exactly one week from today. And make sure you follow at Joe Mandel on Twitter. I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. As always, thank you for listening. Enjoy the weekend.